Today I'm excited because we're going to begin a brand new two-week series this morning entitled Normal is Broke, So Be Weird. Normal's broke, so be weird, because I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of Dave Ramsey. Anybody know who Dave Ramsey is? Financial Peace University. Well, I'm excited because next Sunday night at 5 p.m., uh, we're going to have a special registration slash information meeting uh, where we have purchased the entire Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University program. It is all now went digital. Uh, it's all available online through apps and online access and we purchased that for our entire church family. So next Sunday night at 5 o'clock, you can register, you can get signed up, and you can access all the videos, all the training, and all of the information that they have to really help us walk in what Dave Ramsey calls financial peace. I really like to call it financial freedom, which is really the place God wants to take us to. And what's exciting about the transition that they've made, uh, they now have three separate apps that go with uh, all of their curriculum, and we're also going to be launching a small group uh, helping people kind of to take those next steps. So if you're interested in that, you can get involved. Uh, but all the information is going to be made available free to each and every one of you next week. Uh, so Sunday night, 5 o'clock, plan on being here uh, from 5 to 6.30, be an hour and a half. Uh, we're going to be coming in, kind of getting an idea of all the different things that are happening. We're going to get you connected, plugged in, access to all the apps, and help you go from being normal, which is broke, uh, to being weird, which is blessed. How many of you want to walk in the blessing of God this morning? Anybody? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So this morning, I want to share with you uh, just a little, uh, about a five-minute video, kind of just set the pace and maybe explain a little bit more about our title, uh, Normal's Broke, Be Weird. So let's cue that up, guys, if we can. Hey guys, I'm Rachel Cruz. I'm so grateful you're walking through this course with me and Chris Hogan. You'll meet him in the next lesson. This course will help jumpstart your progress and set you up for success before you even dive into Financial Peace University. Each video is only five or 10 minutes and includes a really important action step that you need to make sure you complete before you head on to the next video. You ready to get started? Okay, let's do this. Maybe you're here because you're facing a situation you've never faced before, like a job loss or the fear of a job loss. Or maybe you've been having some money problems for a while now and you wish you could just live your life without having to worry about money. No matter why you're here, I know you want better for you and your family. You want security and stability. You want money to help move you forward and not hold you back. Sound familiar? Well, if it does, take a second and just picture this with me, okay? You're working a job you love, one that you are passionate about, not that you're just collecting a paycheck. You never worry about getting a flat tire or making an unexpected trip to the emergency room because you've got the cash to cover it. You take your family to the beach every summer with cash and even let your kids bring a friend. Oh, and those kids that you love, well, guess what? They're going to college debt-free because you just topped off that savings fund at $35,000. But you've also been saving for yourself, too, for the dreams that you and your spouse have together. Every month, you put a nice chunk of your paycheck into a retirement account. Last time you checked, your little nest egg was worth more than half a million dollars. Yep, you'll retire with dignity, and you'll be a millionaire soon enough. Okay, come back to me. Let's get out of the dream state, because it's probably what you're thinking, right? Oh, Rachel, that's nice, but that's a dream. I mean, only rich people can live like that. And maybe that's what brought you here today. No matter how hard you work, you never have enough money. You grind it out all week at work, 
and somehow you just seem like you have nothing to show for it. Maybe you've just been laid off and that's a really scary thing and you're just terrified that you're not gonna have enough money to pay your bills or put food on the table. Either way, you're tired of feeling like you can't get ahead. Like money controls you instead of you controlling it. You're stressed out, you're confused, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you just don't know what to do next. Hey, we get it. We've all been there. No, really, we have. We've all done stupid things with money. In fact, in the first lesson of Financial Peace University, you'll hear stories of stupid. From me, from Chris, from my dad, Dave Ramsey, who started Ramsey Solutions and created Financial Peace University. You'll hear exactly how this whole thing got started with dad hitting rock bottom and turning to the Bible and comments its advice to learn how to manage money the right way. It's all the same stuff that you're gonna learn and the same thing millions of others have learned to change their lives. You might be sitting here thinking, but you don't get it, Rachel. My situation's different. Financial peace is impossible for me. I've heard that from a million people before you and you're not alone in feeling that way. Financial peace is possible. In fact, here are some eye-opening numbers to show you that you're not alone. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. The average student loan payment a month is $400. The average car payment is $550 a month. Only 47% of Americans who have a credit card actually pay off their balance every month. If you fall into any of those categories, guess what? According to our culture standards, you are totally and completely normal. But you know what? Normal is broke. Normal is stressed out and confused about money. If normal is broke, then we want you to be weird. Yeah, I know, it doesn't sound appealing at first, but weird is way above average. Here's what weird looks like. It's not worrying about money. It's living life without payments for anything. Weird is enjoying your entire paycheck every month. Weird is not afraid of losing your job because you've saved and have no payments. It's impacting your neighbors and strangers across the world with your outrageous generosity. Weird sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? And the great news is this is available for you because you have made the decision to take Financial Peace University and change your life. In the first nine weeks of this class, members pay off on average $5,300 in debt and save $2,700. That's an $8,000 turnaround. And when they use Every Dollar, our budgeting app, they're finding an extra $395 in the first month. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme or some magic pill. There's nothing behind the curtain. There's no catch. There's just real hard work, and it's available to anyone who's willing to do the work. So we're giving you all the tools, support, and teaching you need to take control of your money. But it won't matter one bit if you don't put it into action. It's completely up to you to make it happen. Now, don't let that scare you. Let that fuel a fire in you that says, I am in control. Not the media, not the government, not the banks and credit card companies. I am in control and I refuse to ever worry about money again. So, what do you say? Are you ready to quit being normal and start making your dream life a reality? Complete the action step for this lesson and then jump into lesson two with Chris Hogan. Twenty-two years ago when we uh, opened the doors of Liberty Church, I made a decision and this was my decision. Uh, we were starting a new church with a new opportunity with a clean slate, and this is what I said to myself uh, and to Kelly, of course. I, I made this statement. I said, uh, I'm never going to talk about money, right? Because 
we're going to start this new church and we're going to reach a community that desperately needs the gospel. And our heartbeat is to see people get saved, set free, and made whole. And all the world thinks that the church wants is their money, so I'm never going to talk about money. And for about five years, I never talked about money. Until one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and uh, he had been knocking on my door through a lot of other people along the way, but one day I got a revelation. This is a revelation that I got. The Holy Spirit said, Keith, he said, do you realize that you are robbing the people of God? You are robbing the people of God because I want them to be blessed. I want them to prosper. I want them to be free from the stress and the anxiety and the worry that lack of money brings into their life. And God said this to me. He said, Keith, do you realize that I talk more about money in the Bible than I talk about heaven and hell, and you're not talking about money? And so something changed in my life after about that five-year span. I began to recognize that, you know what, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, if we're going to live the lives that God has called us to live, we're going to have to operate financially according to the standards of the Word of God because God wrote the success manual. Come on, somebody. God wrote the success manual, success manual for finances so we can prosper and succeed because if we're going to reach a world, and right now our world needs to be reached with the gospel, and if we're going to reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to need the finances. Number one, you need to be financially free so that you don't have to constantly, consistently think about money. Now let's just be real for a second. When you're struggling to pay the bills and you're struggling just to get by, and you're living like 78% of all people in America, paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, you understand something, and I understand this too. When you are struggling to live financially, all you think about is money. Right? You think about how are we going to pay the bills this week? How are we going to do the things we have to do? How are we going to get through this week? I hope nothing tears up. I hope nothing breaks down. I hope nothing comes into our way that we weren't expecting because we are not going to be able to make it if it does. And the reality is this. As long as you're constantly consumed with the weight of your own financial pressure, it is almost impossible for you to purposely live the life God has called you to live. Because if all you think about is money or the lack of it, then you're probably not thinking about winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the devil. You're probably not thinking about how do we expand the kingdom of God. You're probably not thinking about how do I reach my neighbor and my coworkers with the gospel. You're probably not thinking about how do I help the poor and the needy because you are poor and needy. Come on. And so the reality is this. God wants to liberate us and free us from a place of financial bondage so we can live the lives He's called us to live, but more importantly, so we can fulfill His commission, the great commission, to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to kind of dive into some things. Rachel, uh, in that little video, identified five things that she called would make us weird. And I don't know about you, if normal is broke, I don't want to be normal anymore. I want to be weird. And so we're going to look at two of those five characteristics, and we'll look at the other three next week. So look at that first point if you got an outline when you came in today. So normal is broke, so we want to be weird. And here's the first characteristic she described as being weird. When you're weird, you never worry about money. When you're weird, you never worry about money because the average person out there is worrying about money. Money is the one thing that every person on planet Earth uses and thinks about every day of their life. There has not been one day since you've been old enough to probably handle money, at least since you've been an adult, that you haven't thought about money. Money is the one thing we use and the one thing we think about every single day of our lives. And it is normal to worry about money. But I want to be weird. 
I want to be weird. I don't want to worry about money. I want you to imagine for just a minute. Think about what it would look like in your life. What would your life be like if you didn't worry about money? What would your life be like if you didn't have to worry about how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to fix the car, how we're going to provide for the kids, how we're going to do the things we've got? What would your life look like? How much free space in your head would there be if you could eliminate the worry that consumes much of our hearts and our minds because we're living in lack instead of walking in the blessing of God. So let me give you some good news today. The key to overcoming worry, specifically worry about money, has nothing to do with money. So you don't have to have more money to get set free from worrying about money. The key to overcoming worry is not more money. The key to overcoming worry is faith. It's faith appropriately and properly connected in the place that it needs to be. And that's what we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So look with me in Matthew chapter 6. Because Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 probably gives one of the greatest biblical explanations on overcoming and living a worry-free life. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm going to stop there for a second because I think that's interesting. I think interesting of all the things that Jesus could have compared, you cannot serve God and the devil. That would have made sense to me. You cannot serve God and self. That would have made sense to me. You cannot serve God and the world. That would have made sense to me. You cannot serve God and your flesh. That would have even made sense to me. But you know what Jesus said? Of all the things, you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, despise one, be loyal to the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I believe the reason he said money is because there is a natural tendency in our flesh to make money our God. To make money our master and the source of our provision and protection. And let me prove it to you. Have you ever heard anybody say this? I need God to do a miracle or I need to win the lottery. I need God to do a miracle or I need a whole lot of money. Isn't it interesting that we put God doing a miracle and winning the lottery on the same level? I need a miracle from God or I need somebody to give me a whole lot of money. You know what that says? That says there's something in us that if we're not careful... We'll make, God our, we'll make money our master instead of God our master and God our source. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts about this real quick. If God is your master, then you'll use money. But if money is your master, you'll use God. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there are a lot of Christians. There are a lot of Christians that are frustrated, discouraged, and even angry and mad at God because God is not, quote, meeting their needs. And they're mad because God is not answering their prayer. And they're mad at God because He's not doing what we've asked you to do. God, I told you I need this and I can't believe you're going to do this. And Lord, I'm so upset. And I literally have seen people walk away from the faith, disconnect from the church because they were angry at God because, quote, God didn't meet their needs. And I'm mad because God didn't do what I asked Him to do. And God, you know how bad I needed it. And I've been praying and begging and pleading and you didn't do it. I can't believe you didn't do it. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. Lord, you've abandoned me and I can't serve you anymore. Well, the reality is you weren't serving Him anyway. 
If I'm mad at God because He wouldn't do for me, then who's the master and who's the servant? Think about that for a second. If I'm mad at God because of what He didn't do for me, then who's given the orders and who's taking the commands? Who is the master and who's the servant? Because if money is our master, we'll use God. And all of a sudden, God will become our little genie in the bottle that we will turn to. Listen to this. We'll turn to God when our money can't fix our problems. When our money can't fix our financial problems, we'll turn to God. When our money can't fix our marital problems, we'll turn to God. When our money can't fix our parent, parent parental problems and the kids are going crazy and we try to buy them everything they want and they're still not happy and they're still rebellious and it's crazy, then we'll turn to God. We'll go to church. We'll call the pastor. We'll get in a small group. Just as soon as our money can no longer fix our problem. A very good friend of mine who is a millionaire told me without a shadow of a doubt, he said, Keith, I'm just going to tell you something. He said, money almost destroyed my life. He said, it was only when I was confronted with an issue that my money could not fix that I realized I needed God. And so if money is our master, we'll use God. But if God is our master, we'll use money. So Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And then directly from that statement, look what he goes into. Look at that next verse. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God in money. Look what he says in verse 25, the very next verse. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, is it your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, yet your heavenly, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly, y'all say that with me, he will certainly care for you. Let's say that together. He will certainly care for you. And then look at that next little phrase. Why do you have so little faith? See, because the key to overcoming worry is not more money. The key to overcoming worry is having your faith in the right place. You've got to make sure that you're looking to God as your master and your source and not to money. Because if money is your master, you're in trouble. Amen? Look at verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You can insert in there for unbelievers, those with no faith. If you don't have faith, guess what you do? You worry. If you're not looking to God, guess what you do? You worry. If you're not confident in the Lord, guess what you do? You worry, you worry, you worry. Your thoughts are constantly dominated by these things, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek it first and live righteously. Live in a way that pleases God, and He will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So look at that next point on your outline. The first step to living a worry-free life is to identify your source. If God is your source, you can rest in the care of God. If money is your source, you will always worry. Think about that for a second. If money is your source, you'll always worry. If money is your master, then you're looking to money to protect you and provide for you everything that you need. And if money is your source, you're always going to worry. Because if you don't have enough money, right, if you're broke, you're going to worry about how you're going to pay the bills. But let's flip the coin because this is crazy. 
Right? Sometimes if money is your master, money is your source, when you have more than enough money, you still worry about money. You worry about how you're going to keep your money. I mean, let's be honest. We all know people, everybody in this room, we all know people that are poor and they worry about money all the time. And we also know people that are rich and they worry about money all the time. They're worried about how they keep their money, how they're going to make more money, and how they keep other people from taking their money. And then you got the poor guy over here who doesn't have money, and he's worried about how am I going to eat and get through and make enough money just to pay the bills for one more week. Because the realization is being set free from worry has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has everything to do with who your source is. If God is your master and you're looking to him to be your provider and your protector, then when you're broke, guess what? You can rest in the fact that God will take care of you. And if we'll be honest in this room, we have all probably been in financial places where we thought, how am I going to make it? And guess what you did? Didn't you? You're still here. You're still kicking. You're still breathing. As a matter of fact, I've never met anybody that died of starvation in America. I've never preached the funeral of somebody that died because they didn't have enough food to eat. Now, maybe in another country, but never here. I don't know anybody that's done that, do you? You know why? Because when we're broke, busted, and disgusted, the God of heaven and earth still takes care of us. And if you're God, if God is your master and you're trusting the Lord, then guess what? When you don't have enough, you can trust Him to meet your needs. When you have more than enough, you can trust Him to continue to sustain you and help you to live the life he's called you to live. Why? Because if God is your source, you can rest in the care of God. Doesn't mean we don't plan. Doesn't mean we don't budget. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Doesn't mean we don't work hard. It just means we can rest free of worry because God is our source. Amen? All right. The second thing she said, I want you to see this. So normal is broke, so be weird. She said the second characteristic of being weird is that you live life without payments for anything. You live your life without payments for anything. I want you to do something. Let's just imagine again. We're going to have some good visualization today, okay? So let's just imagine what your life would look like if you had no payments. Imagine what your life would look like if you were totally and completely out of debt. Think about what would you do if you didn't have any debt. How much could you save if you didn't have any debt? This one excites me. Who could you help if you didn't have debt? If you didn't have to make payments for anything, think about all that money and what you could do with the resources that are currently coming in. I mean, let's just, let's just be real for just a second. You wouldn't have to get a raise to live an extravagant life if you didn't have any debt right now in your life. You could live at a whole new level if you could just eliminate the debt that most people are drowning in on a day-to-day -day basis. And if we'll be honest again, most of us are probably making more money today than we've ever made in our life, but yet that debt-to-income ratio keeps climbing. <laughs> and we make more money, so we go into more debt, and we make more money, and we go into more debt. And now we say, well, guess what? Now I can afford to buy something else. And people that make $100,000 are struggling. People that make $25,000 a year are struggling. People that make a half a million dollars a year. It blows my mind how many millionaires file for bankruptcy. I'm like, how's that even happen? But it happens. You know why? 
Because when you live in debt, you live in bondage. And you're not free. You're not free to live the life God's called us to live. So what would life look like without payments? Look at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 12, verse 24. We're going to wear Proverbs out today. The Bible says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So look at that next point on your outline. I believe the first step to living without payments is diligence. We have got to be diligent. The hand of the diligent will rule. Why? Because if God is my source, then money is my servant, and I have to rule over it. If I don't rule over my money, my money will rule me. If I don't take authority over my money, my money will take authority over me. The hand of the diligent will rule. And the diligent, the Bible says, will be rich. Think about what it said. The lazy man wants, but he never has. The lazy man will be forced to labor. You know what the difference between a poor person and a wealthy person? The wealthy person gets excited about going to work. And the poor person doesn't want to go to work. Think about that. When you meet people that make a whole lot of money, you know what you find out about them? They are excited about going to work every single day of their life. They love what they do because they're not working for money. If you're poor, then you're forced to labor and you grudgingly go to work every day because you got to pay the bills. Wouldn't it be good to be set free from that? Wouldn't it be good to be set free from that? The first step to freedom comes from diligence. i got to be diligent with what I have. The diligent hand will rule. But the lazy, the Bible says, is forced to labor and never has what he wants. The Holy Spirit showed me something this week because I'm just going to be honest. Kelly and I, we've been married 30 years. And for the, probably the first 15 years, we really, really stunk with money. We were horrible. We had no training, no education. We, we were not good with money. But you know what I did for the first 15 years of our marriage? I worked hard. As a matter of fact, most of our married life, I worked two jobs. And I worked really, really hard. And I grew up in a home with a great work ethic. And I did not mind getting up and going to work and working hard and working two jobs most of our early married life. I did it most of the time. And the Holy Spirit showed me something this week. He said, Keith, do you realize that you worked hard at work? You worked hard at making money. You just didn't work hard at managing money. I made money, I just didn't manage it. And I worked really hard to make the money to pay the bills, but I was not diligent in managing the money that we had. And if you don't tell your money where to go, guess what? It just goes. And it did. <laughs> it just went. I mean, let's just be really honest again this morning. This year, 2020, has been one of the craziest years ever, right? But think about this year, 2020, first of the year, many people got an income tax return, and then everybody got a stimulus check. Where's your money at? See, because everybody that I know that got a stimulus check was still working their job and still drawing a paycheck, so where's your money at? Where's that income tax return that you got back? Where's it at? What do you have to show for it six months later? See, the realization is most people don't have anything to show for it. They don't know where it's at. Why? Because we're not diligent with what God gives us. And the first step 
to living free from making payments every month is i got to begin to be diligent with what God has given me. Again, first 15 years, we were horrible. 15 years ago, we started making budgets and then ignoring them. We were excellent budget makers. We just didn't abide by them, right? We'd make a budget, and then we'd ignore it. And we'd make another budget, and then we'd ignore it. And we'd make another budget, and then we'd ignore it. And it was probably maybe 10 years ago, we finally really started personally working a budget and probably seven years ago, we really had a game-changing encounter with a gentleman that just challenged us on how we were handling our money. And we just took a new approach to how we embraced our budget, and it changed our lives. So let me give you one more scripture. I want you to see this. Proverbs 24, verse, excuse me, Proverbs 27, verse 23 and 24, says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Now, he's talking about money because if you're a farmer, your cattle, or your Herds, sheep in this case, is your money. And I can prove to you that he's talking about money. Look what he says. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does the crown endure to all generations. So being diligent to know the state of your flock simply means this. You've got to work a budget. If you don't know where every dollar goes and every dollar just goes... And if you don't have a budget in writing, on paper, in a program, on your computer, on your phone, somewhere where you can look at it and see and know this is where my money goes, then you are not working a budget. I meet people say, well, I got my budget in my head. That means you don't have a budget. Because if you can't show it to your spouse, you don't have a budget. If you can't show it to your kids and say, hey, hey guys, let me show you what me and mama's doing, and let me show you what you need to start doing right now with your allowance. It's called a budget. Boy, y'all are really quiet. Good preaching, Pastor Keith. Good preaching. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Why? Because if you're not diligent to rule over your money, then your money will rule you. And it will be gone. One of the things that Dave Ramsey teaches, they teach that you budget every dollar. And one of the apps that you're going to get when you sign up next week is called the Every Dollar app. And it's an awesome app for your phone, tablet, or computer, however you want to use it. And you can put in everything. And the idea is you want to assign every dollar where it's going to go. Because if you don't tell it where to go, it just goes. And it's amazing when you begin to do Did you see that? The average person finds an extra $355 a month. Just to think about, you are losing $355 a month. That's right there, that's going through your hands that you don't even know about because you're not budgeting every dollar. The average person in nine weeks pays off. Did you see that? They pay off like $50 something, $100, $300 in debt, and they save $2,700. What would it be like if your savings account was $2,700 thicker in nine weeks from today than it is right now? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd be like, come on, Jesus. That's some good stuff. That's exciting. So diligence is the key. Let's talk about this. One more point here, or two more points. Let me give you this. So we have to attack debt. We have to attack debt because debt is the enemy that enslaves us. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Just as the rich is ruled to the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. We have to attack debt because debt is the enemy that enslaves us. Debt enslaves us. Debt does not free us. Debt does not empower us. Debt enslaves us. We become borrower to the lender. And this is what you've got to understand. We've got to attack debt because debt is the enemy. It's not your friend. 
And yes, there's a house debt that can be considered a good debt because you need a place to live and your house will actually grow in value and become worth more money if you take care of it than when you first bought it. But it's this everyday normal debt. How many know when you buy that brand new car, drive it off the lot, you just lost money? You bought that brand new gadget. Man, I'm a gadget guy. I love gadgets. You brought that brand new gadget. I mean, it's so cool. All the Apple commercials are amazing. I'm like, man, I need that. You buy it and try to sell it tomorrow. You just lost money. You just lost money. And everything you buy, with very few exceptions, is that way. Because debt is your enemy. And here, here's what I want to just say. I want to say it's just something simple the Holy Spirit showed me years ago. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize that if you owe it, if you owe that car payment, if you owe it, you don't own it. And if you don't own it, you can't use it the way you want to. So for every bill, every debt that you have, I'm not talking about your daily living expenses. You've got to have water, food, and power. And you've got to have gas, get back and forth to work, and you've got to have a house to live in. I'm talking about the other debt that we take on. Every dollar that you owe to the car company, you don't own. Which means you can't use that money any way you want to because you owe that money to the people that you're in debt to. Wouldn't it be great to own all you work for? Wouldn't it be great to be out of debt to the point that you were liberated to do the things that God wants you to do? That's where God wants us to get. God wants us to get there. Kelly and I, we're not there yet, but we're working on it. I mean, we're, we're running the charge. Let, let me just tell you something. So three years ago, we've been married 30 years, and three years ago, we finally got the clue we need to get out of debt. We're slow learners, okay? So three years ago, we finally decided we've got to get out of debt. And so we started, we started using Dave Ramsey's little snowball thing where you pay off your smallest debt, and then you take that money and put it on the next one. And we started working this thing. And, 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 it was, and we've been paying off debt for the last three years. And I had it out on paper, and I kind of had it figured out according to my great mathematical skills, which is not that great, when we would probably maybe be out of debt. Well, when we signed up, so we've already signed up for the online stuff that we're offering you guys uh, next week. So we sign up, and a part of what you're going to get is an app uh, called the Baby Steps app. And a part of that is a snowball calculator where you put in your debt, and you put in what you're paying right now toward that debt, and it immediately gives you a real-time date when you're going to be out of debt. And I mean, I punched those numbers in last week, and I showed it to Kelly, and we were like, whoa, come on, geez, that was amazing. We couldn't believe it. It was a lot faster than we thought. I mean, we're, we're like, oh, I mean, we are like in the zone right now. We're like, we ain't buying nothing. Come on, we're getting out of debt. It was so exciting to see. It was so exciting to see just what was right around the corner if we just stay the course, if we just refuse to get a little more debt and a little more debt and a little more debt because we deserve it or we want it or we need it. And we got so excited and we have now for the first time in 30 years of marriage, we're now really starting to dream what our life would look like without debt. Who could we help? What could we do? What changes could we see happen in our world? I mean, the thought of planting our next five campuses without any debt and us being able to be significant givers and making that happen, man, that excites us. The thought of building the kingdom and helping people and being able to enjoy our family at whole, whole new levels of life. How awesome that is. Amen? Y'all still with me? Everybody good? 
All right, last point, here it is. So we have to resist. I want you to see this. If we're going to attack debt, if we're going to be diligent in getting out of debt, we have to do two things really specific. We have to resist the comparison and the contentment traps. And Dave Ramsey says this, this last part is a quote from him. If you'll live like no one else today, you can live like no one else tomorrow. If you'll live like no one else today and say, I'm not going to go in debt, because I mean, you know, debt is normal. Just talk to your friends. You start talking about wanting a new car, wanting a new house, wanting a new boat, wanting a new gun, wanting a new wardrobe, whatever it is you might want. And they'll say, well, just go borrow the money. Well, just use your credit card. Just get in debt. Just get it, just get it, just get it, just get it, just get it. And the banks make it so easy to borrow money now, right? I mean, it's just so crazy easy. I mean, I got a little app on my phone. They already got me pre-approved to give me money. It's crazy. I ain't even got to walk in there and talk to nobody. I just click, oh, they're going to give me some money. How awesome. It's not awesome. It's horrible. But if you live like no one else today, you can live like no one else tomorrow. If you'll not be normal today and be weird because I'm not going to be in debt, then in five years when everybody else that you and are friends with are still in debt, you're going to be free from debt. And you're going to be living a crazy life for the glory of God. But there's two things you've got to resist. I want you to hear that. The comparison trap and the contentment trap. Let's talk about those two things real quick. The comparison trap simply says this. We look at other people. And boy, don't we look at other people. Now social media has enabled us to look at other people in a whole new way. And we look at other people and we see what they've got. And they got the newest, the grandest, the shiniest, the sharpest, the coolest stuff. And then we want what they got. And then the lie of the enemy is, is that if I just had, if I just had what they have, you know, then I would be successful, or I would be happy, or I would be influential, or maybe even if you're a young person, I would be cool. I don't even know, we, are we still cool? Guys, is it still cool to be cool? So that's the comparison trap. The comparison trap is that I look at other people and I think if I had what they have, if I have what they have, then I would be cool, I would be important, I would be successful, I would be whatever. But it's a lie. Because if you look back over your life, you've given into that comparison trap many times. And you bought what they had, and guess what? You weren't any cooler <laughs> the next day than you were the day you had it. You weren't any more successful. You weren't any more influential. You were just now in debt, and now you're broke, and now you're struggling. Worse than you've ever struggled before. And the thing that you thought you were going to get when you compared yourself to them, if I just had the house they have, the car they drive, the clothes they wear, then I would be respected, and I'd be honored, and I'd be valued. No, all of that stuff comes from being rightly connected to God, not rightly connected to people. Your value and worth comes from God, not people. So we got to break free from that comparison trap. Now let's talk about the contentment trap. This is, this is a funny one because the reality is, is we're all like kids on Christmas morning. We really are. So here's how contentment trap works. You know, Pastor Keith, we're going to get out of debt. That's a good idea. I'm glad you're talking about this today, and I really appreciate you talking about this. And you know what? We're going to do that thing, but I'm just going to buy this one more thing. Because if I just get this one car, I'll never want for another car the rest of my life. This will be the last car I'll buy. Lie. That's a lie. Right? We're all like kids on Christmas morning. You buy your kids everything they want for Christmas. Christmas morning, they get up, they open it, they're so happy. Ooh, it's awesome, wonderful, wonderful. The, the next day, they see a commercial on TV or an ad on their social media, and they're like, hey, Mom, I want this. Hey, Dad, can you get me this? 
Like yesterday was Christmas. We just went and borrowed money to buy you all the stuff we got you. And it's not even a day old and you want something else. Don't you remember you begged me. You said, please, 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 mama, please, 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 please. If you'll buy me this, I'll never ask for anything else. Let me just tell you what. That's us. We're all kids on Christmas morning. We're all begging God, if I could just get that house, if I could just get that car, if I could just get this, Lord, I'll never ask you for anything else. I will be 100% content and happy. That's a lie. Let, let me give you a good truth. You're always going to want for more. You're always going to want for more. And that's okay that you desire more. God desires more for you. But it's not okay if your want for more enslaves you into a thing called debt so that you actually can't enjoy what you have and live the life God's called you to. Because what happens when you get in debt, that car that you really, 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 really wanted, now you despise it. How many times do we say, I hate that car, I wish I could sell that car, but I can't sell that car because I'm upside down in the payments. That's because when you drove off a lot, you lost money. Because debt is not your friend, debt is your enemy. But if we live like nobody else today, then we can live like nobody else tomorrow, and you can pay cash for that car. And you don't have to go into debt for it. And it's not that you can't have things. God wants you to have things. He wants to bless you so He can work through you. But it's just coming to that place. So let's, let me give you one last scripture. Proverbs, we're going to wrap up with this one. Proverbs 13. It says, Wealth, verse 11 and 12. Proverbs 13, 11 and 12. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. But wealth from hard work grows over time. I love what Rachel says. She said, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is hard work. And the good news about hard work is we can all do it. We can all work hard to get out of debt. Everybody in this room can do that. And we've all, we've all been a little suckers. You ever bought into those get-rich-quick schemes? I mean, you know, you're like, man, three months, we're going to be made. I'm going to quit my job. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt and had to sell it because I was broke, right? Look at the next verse. But hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So think about how this works. Let me show you the scheme of the enemy real quick. So you get your hopes up that you're going to find this quick financial solution, right? I'm going to consolidate all my bills. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. And then you consolidate all your bills and it's not wonderful. You're like, well, I thought that was really going to fix my financial problems. You know, just a quick fix. I just need a quick fix to get my finances back in order. There's no such thing as a quick fix. But there is hard work and there is diligence that will pay off. It will pay off. And so what happens when we get our hopes up for a financial solution and then it doesn't come? We get depressed and discouraged financially. And then think about what most people do. When most people are depressed and discouraged financially, you know what they do to overcome their depression? They go buy something. They go buy something they can't afford. And it happens every single day in America. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now look at the last part, because here's our key. 
It says, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So I want to challenge you to do something today. I want to challenge all of us. Let's get a new dream. Let's get a new dream. Let me give you a financial dream that I believe God Almighty can get behind and support. Here it is. Here's the financial dream. Let's begin to dream of what our lives would look like if we were out of debt. Let's begin to dream of what our lives would look like if we're out of debt. Because if you're dreaming, think about this. If you're dreaming for the new house or the new car or the bigger boat, those dreams typically require debt that enslave you. And God's not in favor of your bondage. But if you could dream another dream and your financial dream could not be a bigger house and not a bigger car and not a bigger boat, what if your financial dream was I want to get out of debt and I want to live without payments now and forever? Man, that's a dream God can get behind. And let me tell you why. He can get behind that dream because that dream liberates you and enables you to step into the life that God has. I was talking after 8 o'clock service, we got a, a little group of some 20-something young ladies that come to our early service, and I was talking to them, and they're all at the prime of their life, and, and I was back there talking to them, and they were asking some questions, and, and I was telling them about our kids, man, John Wesley and Samantha have done so well, and Jessica and Ian have done so well, and we're really proud of the decisions they've made as young adults moving, not young adults, they're, y'all are getting old, are you still young, Samantha? Yeah, she's young, she's young, they're young adults. I have to pick on them every now and then. But we were talking, and you know what I, I, I told those girls? I said, you know what, girls? I said, all three of y'all can be millionaires. Man, their eyes kind of lit up. They're like, do you really think so? I said, absolutely. If you'll apply what we're learning right now in your 20s, I'm just going to tell you. Crazy, crazy, crazy what God can do. You might say, well, Pastor Keith, I'm not in my 20s. I'm not either, but I'm just going to tell you something. I'm excited about the crazy good things God's doing at 48 years old. We're fired up. Because you're not too young and you're not too old to start this journey. But if you don't dream a new dream, and if your dream isn't about getting out of debt, then your dream will probably enslave you. And it will keep you from really living the life God wants you to live. Let's just bow our heads today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I want to just challenge you right now. If you're here today and you're a believer, and you know without a shadow of a doubt Jesus is the Lord and Master of your life, I want to just challenge you to think about your financial journey, and, and I want to just encourage you today. Let's dream another dream. Let's get a debt-free dream today. I'm just going to tell you, our church is on a debt-free path. We've got an amazing financial elder, Brother Jim, and man, he is working we're working strategically every month, working toward getting our church debt-free so we can begin to plant campuses and enlarge the kingdom and reach more people without ever having to borrow money again. And we're working that goal. But what if you had that dream for your life? I want to encourage you. Let's, let's begin to dream another dream. If you're married, I want to encourage you. Go home and talk about that today over lunch. Man, what, what would it really look like if we could really get out of debt and never borrow money again for anything? What would that look like? Dream that other dream. The second thing I want to do is maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and maybe you realize something. Maybe you realize that, that God is not your master. Maybe you've been serving money. 
And maybe you've never been what the Bible calls being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus was an influential, probably very wealthy by the world's standards that he was living in. He was religious. He was educated. He was a scholar. But when Jesus looked at this man that seemingly had everything, Jesus said, Nicodemus, there's one thing you're missing. You must be born again. Because if God is not the master, then you're in trouble. But he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me and you so we could be saved. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And you're watching online and you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want to be born again. I realize I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior. There's no other way to God but through Him. And I want to trust Him today as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. I want to pray with you in just a moment. If you're watching on our online campus, there's literally a button right there that says, I want to raise my hand to accept Christ. You can click that. If you're on our social media, just say, I want to raise, I'm raising my hand right now, Pastor Keith. I'm raising my hand. Because Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. Because when God's master of all, He's such a good Father. And the God of heaven wants to come and live in you so He can transform your heart from the inside out. Christianity is an inside job, guys. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, just, let's just raise our hands right now. Let's make an act of faith. And I'm going to pray together with all of you that have raised your hand. Let's just say it out loud together. I'm going to ask everybody here just to repeat this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I'm no longer my own. I belong to you. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.